Black-owned businesses begin to struggle in Minneapolis. Biden has unveiled new climate change requirements, and Caitlyn Jenner is now getting into politics. I'm William Hall, and this is The William Hall Show. All right, welcome back to the show. I hope everybody had a great weekend. So let's go ahead and start getting into this. A bit of a slow news day, if you want to call it that. So black-owned businesses that are in Minneapolis right now are struggling. And this should come as no surprise if you're aware of basically what's going on at this point. But they have the, the I guess, the mob that's over everything that's basically been trying to take over this area where the George Floyd incident took place are now operating a zone that is only for dedication to George Floyd. So this is very similar to the Chaz Chop Zone that was taking place in Seattle last year. But... Now it's all about this whole racial thing. And they're basically saying, hey, look, this entire area is ours. You cannot go in here. You're not allowed to talk about any of these things. And there's all these rules. And I'll get into that in a second. But basically, that's what's happening right now. Um, a part of the w- reason why they're doing this is to keep police officers out. If you're a police officer, if you're a first responder, you're no longer welcome in this area that the bill and mob has taken over. Why is this a big deal? Why is this a massive problem? The problem here is that it is actually hurting black people. It's hurting black owned businesses. The one thing that the news doesn't want to talk about that they don't want to pay attention to. So they're calling this George Floyd Square and it's an activist run area at the once thriving intersection of East 30 or 38th Street and Chicago Avenue in Minneapolis. So following the death of George Floyd in the area, it has become an ongoing protest zone. Local business owners condemn the activists for driving police and first responders away from the area. So right off the bat, you have businesses that are actively complaining about these people that are there saying, hey, they're not allowing us to be protected with our businesses. And so the Post reports that at least five stores along one block are shuttered, window shuttered and everything. Owners and workers and most of the stores that do remain open were too afraid to comment. The black-owned businesses say they have lost 75% of their business since the George Floyd Memorial sprouted up shortly after its death and have even lost a GoFundMe fundraiser page in a desperate bid to stay afloat. Why is this a massive deal here? The problem that we're seeing arise from these types of incidents is is that they're hurting black people the most. And, and there's a line in there, I don't know if you picked up on it, where I was saying that some of the stores were actually afraid to comment about it. Why are they afraid? Because they feel like if their comments get out and they figure out what it is or who made those comments, what store it is, or who it was, that they're going to get the stuff broken into. Not by white people, folks, but by their own race, by black people. They're going to be the ones that are actually going to be breaking into these businesses. They're the ones that are driving out the police. They're the ones that are pressuring everybody in that area. Now, let's think for a second. Do you think these businesses want to be in this area right now? Do you think that these businesses are really feeling the the whole woke thing about supporting black-owned businesses? You think they really are feeling that right now? Probably not. Because they're scared and they're worried about what's actually going to happen to their own business. All because 
black people themselves have now kept them from being able to do business in the area because nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to go to what is either perceived as a high crime area or where you have activists that are desperately driving anybody that isn't a certain color out of the entire area and telling them that they're not welcome there at all. So I don't know if how many of you remember, but it, or if you have seen this, but if you actually go to your Uber Eats app or some other uh, apps as well, do the same thing where they have this, this section on there now where it says black owned businesses. Like it's supposed to be something to basically make you want to try food from these black owned businesses and support them because I don't know reasons. Nobody said they were struggling at all. That's not what this was about. It's just because, you know, they, they want to add that all in there because Uber cares about black lives along with all the rest of these companies that are doing this, of course. And of course, I don't agree with that. But one of the things that we need to take into consideration is where are they at when it comes down to this? I mean, these are actually black owned businesses that are suffering that are getting way less money are, are opening up GoFundMe pages because they can't even make the money they used to make. How in the world is that okay when you look at Uber and all the rest of these different services and whatnot that pretend like they care so much about black owned businesses, yet in this situation, they don't care. This is what we've been saying for the longest period of time. When you do things like this, when you hurt businesses in an area, when they do go out of business, rest assured, they're not coming back. And the businesses that are looking to open up a new store, maybe there was a person, that, uh, a company that was just about to open up a store in this area says, absolutely not. We're going over to the white neighborhood where there's still police officers and there's less crime. And, and who are you really hurting? It's not only just the businesses that are there, but you're also hurting people in the community as well. Because now they can't get access to certain stores all because of this. And there's this other problem too that you see crop up oftentimes where these stores have to raise the prices oftentimes to, to uh, compensate for the, the lack of business in the area due to these protests from black people themselves. And so they wind up now where people in the community are paying more money Ideally, for the same stuff that they would maybe get somewhere else for significantly less money, they're paying more money in the in that same area because these businesses are being hurt by black people themselves. And of course, I think people from the outside, the woke people from the outside, would probably look in on that and say, "Well, that's clearly only happening because the, those businesses are trying to take advantage of the people in the area." And it's like, no. What happened is that the protesters have raise the cost of doing business in those areas. They've cost them money. They've cost them a lot of business and they are having to compensate one way or another. That's either to close or to raise prices. Who's it really hurting? Who is it really hurting here? Because I don't think that the goal of trying to fight back about all this racial justice, whatever that they're trying to explain away is doing anything when ultimately all we're seeing is just black people themselves being hurt in this whole movement. So, there was a sign as well that was posted in the area and it said rules for white people. And this is, like I said, in the George Floyd Square in Minneapolis. So the first point that they put on there is decenter yourself and come to listen, learn, mourn and witness. Remember, you are here to support, not to be supported. Well, I mean, it couldn't get more clear than that. Basically, we don't care about you if you're not black, if you're anything else but black, you're here to join our cause and not to speak. Because you have to listen and learn and mourn with us. That's all you're allowed to do. You're not able to do anything. You're not, we're not here to support you. 
at all. You know, not not because of what you believe, but because of the color of your skin. That's real comforting right there. So they go on to say, be mindful of whether your volume, pace, and movements are supporting or undermining your efforts to decenter yourself. So basically just, you know, it's like basically if you come in here and you're white, be a kid in timeout. You know, just just kind of remain in the same place. Don't overly do anything. Try not to offend anybody. Just be real careful. Look, I don't see why anybody would be wanting to be coming up in this place in this in this situation. It says seek to contribute to the energy of the space rather than drain it. Whatever that's supposed to mean. Like what? What? Bring your own process to other white folks so that you will not harm uh what this BIPOC thing and the people of color, whatever it is. You know. Anyways, and it goes on. Consider. If you want or need to take photos and post them, do not take photos of people without their consent. Of course they're saying that. You know why? Because when somebody goes around and they're doing something extremely heinous, which has happened many times before at these protests, peaceful protests, of course, right? Nothing else going on there to see folks, right? But when, when these things are taking place there and things get violent, all of a sudden the people that are filming there that are just, or journalists that are just there to document, all of a sudden they're getting attacked. Why are they getting attacked? Because they don't want this stuff getting out. They don't want people to see how violent and ridiculous they're being. They want it to stay secret and unseen. And then it goes on to say, if you witness white folks doing problematic things, whatever that's supposed to mean, speak up with compassion to take the burden off the black folks and our siblings of color whenever appropriate. Seek to engage rather than escalate so that it can be a learning moment rather than a disruption. Once again, this is the racism that we're seeing. And the problem is that they think this is okay. They think this is okay because the woke left have told them, as long as you are a black person, you can say whatever you want to a white person about how they're supposed to behave around you, what they're supposed to do around you, and they have to just sit there and listen and take it. There's people that have paid for classes to understand their white privilege. These people think this is okay. Meanwhile, you know, I made a post about this on Parlor as well. If Martin Luther King were alive today, he would be called an Uncle Tom. He would be hated by these people. Everything that he stood for, they would hate him for it. Because that's not stylish today. That's not in the, the new woke narrative right now. It's not about being peaceful and turning the other cheek and really understanding the process of that. First of all, Martin Luther King wouldn't even be talking about this stuff. Because at no point was he in, in worried about people that were legitimately committing crimes and resisting arrest. You know what they did when they got arrested it, it, back in Martin Luther King's day? Is that they actually let the police officers arrest them. They weren't trying to fight and beat up the cops. Their breaking the law was the racial kind of thing. It, it wasn't them selling drugs and all the rest of this stuff or trying to attack some other girl with a knife. That was never what was in their purview. It was always, you know what? We're going to go in here, sit in this restaurant. We're going to sit in the front of the bus instead, and we're going to let them arrest us. They didn't resist. They weren't acting like crazy idiots. None of that because they didn't want to give the police officers a reason to shoot them. Something that for some reason, all of these people are continuously doing over and over again. So that's basically all that we have there with that. It's a crazy situation in Minneapolis, and these things are only going to continue as well, but it just goes to show that they don't care about black people truly at all. Getting into a different story here, though, Kamala Harris was talking about some of the uh, statistics from last year dealing with the coronavirus, specifically unemployment amongst women as well. So, of course, for her, she treats it as a laughing matter for some reason. 
I think it is important to look at folks like Haley and Kelly and also say we're going to take note of the fact that during the pandemic, over 2 million people, 2 million women people, <laughs> became unemployed. This is how you behave when you know you're not going to face any repercussions for your actions. Plain and simple, this is what she's doing. She always either laughs when she's lying, laughs about the stuff. I mean, this is no laughing matter, obviously. And how can you possibly claim that you care about women when you just, it's like a child that is, that kind of, I don't know, is in a classroom with this other kid or something. And there's just this really funny thing, but they can't laugh, but they're like laughing still because they know that the setting is inappropriate to laugh. And that's kind of what she's doing. And it's very childish. This is the vice president. This, and that's the behavior that they're listening right now. It's no laughing matter yet. For some reason, they think this is perfectly okay. Don't talk to me about caring about women and their issues and them losing their jobs. If simultaneously, you're just sitting up on a stage talking about how 2 million of them lost their jobs and it's just, it's just the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> how in the world that's fine, I don't know. So as far as this administration, there's this new thing with uh, Biden now where he's trying to unveil some new climate change requirements. So these are pretty interesting here. So one of the first things that he was talking about with this is that he's pledging to cut U.S. carbon emissions at least 50% by 2030. So the, the basic part of the opening statement here is that Americans may be forced to purchase a $55,000 electric vehicle under Biden's climate plan, gradually making those changes by 2030. Could see diet-related greenhouse gas emissions reduced by 50%, according to a study by Michigan University Center of Sustainable Systems. So first of all, yeah, good luck getting people to buy a 50 grand electric vehicle. Like, that's not going to happen, okay? Um, so the other part of this, too, is that to actually achieve this goal that he's talking about, he's wanting for all Americans to only consume one average-sized burger per month because, in other words, don't eat any more meat whatsoever. And and this is going to be forced down is, is kind of the idea behind this, is that it's a requirement. It's not a choice it's a requirement, not a healthy thing. It's all about the climate. That's all that they're looking at here. Now, the reason why this is such a massive problem here, and Bill Gates has echoed the same types of ideas as well. The issue with this type of ideology and thinking is understanding, like, let's take a look at the world here. Who are the biggest polluters when we're talking about percentage-wise in the world? Right now, the biggest polluter is China. Like, far and away. And you know as many of these big countries that there are out there today, how many efforts or whatever it is have has China actually done to actually, you know, reduce their emissions? What have they done? I mean, of course, they must be working the same way that we are. It's such an important issue in the United States. Clearly, they must care if they're the biggest polluter, right? Well, come to find out China actually doesn't care at all. They've done nothing. They haven't lifted a finger whatsoever when it comes down to the climate or doing anything about that. So now we're stuck with the situation where the United States is, for the size that we are, the least producing country in the world already. Like today, we've reduced our emissions so much, like more than any other country like in the world. And yet, for some reason, we're the ones having, trying to do even more. Meanwhile, other countries have done nothing. And they don't want to talk about it. The, the reason why this is important is because if we do all of the stuff that they're talking about, everything... It won't change anything because China and India are still producing tons of pollution. So it, it our I guess our just general 
amount of of uh, emissions just isn't going to change enough. Not enough to make a big dent in anything. And even if we do change it, there's no provable evidence that it's going to make that much of a difference at all at this point. The point is, is that all of this stuff is really more about control than it is about the climate. That's what this is about. It never was about the climate. Because they start talking about all of these other things. And you know, when he's talking about this, I can't help but to think about CNN, the whole expose that Project Veritas did on them, where you were actually seeing this now, where they said, hey, after this COVID thing, the next thing is going to be climate change, where we're going to make people so afraid of that. That's going to be the next top issue for us. And we're already starting to see it going in that direction. The, the pieces are being laid in that direction already. So just in a bit of a story here as well, you have Caitlyn Jenner now, which is saying, well, he is saying, because this used to be Bruce Jenner, in case you weren't already aware, is saying that they're going to be running for governor of California. Now, I'm not aware of their involvement in politics in the past or anything like that, but it's just really weird to me because this is one of those situations where I don't think the people of California that are really woke actually want him to be the governor at this point. So on the, the funniest thing about this is really the fact that this would be the first female governor of California and they're actually a man. Like, <laughs> I don't understand how exactly they're expecting for this to work when you have these things like that. You had Joey Behar as well, uh, misgendering, if you want to call it that, which, in other words, saying the correct gender, by the way, calling him a he <laughs> instead of a she, and uh, several times. And, of course, she doesn't get canceled for any of that because she's a part of the protected left where they can just say, oh, I didn't get enough sleep last night, and it's fine. We don't have to think about it. But the second that somebody tweets it out a certain way that's a conservative, all of a sudden they're canceled, their entire career is over. That's the way that they look at this. It's such a massive double standard. So to be honest with you, I could really care less about what they're trying to do as far as running for a governor or whatever. I mean, California, look, if they if they wind up electing Caitlyn Jenner for this position, they got what they wanted. I mean, this is it. That's it right there for you. And if you don't like it, then you can deal with it because you were the ones that said, especially in California, that any man can just turn into a woman all of a sudden. So there you have it. There you have it. Um, so on another topic here, last topic for the day, Bill Maher came out and he's been kind of on a tear lately over the past few weeks where he's been talking about, uh, just, just things that are, you know, more centrist, I guess you could call it, but effectively just anti far left wing kind of ideas. And he's been kind of debunking them and just talking about how just stupid they are. You know, the reason why advertisers in this country love the 18 to 34 demographic because it's the most gullible. Yeah. A third of people under 35 say they're in favor of abolishing the police, not defunding, but doing away with a police force altogether, which is less of a policy position and more of a leg tattoo. 36% of millennials think it might be a good idea to try communism. But much of the world did try it. I know millennials think that doesn't count because they weren't alive when it happened. But it did happen. And there are people around who remember it. Pining for communism is like pining for Betamax or MySpace. So when you say, you're old, you don't get it. Get what? Abolish the police and the border patrol and capitalism and cancel Lincoln? No, I get it. 
problem isn't that I don't get what you're saying or that I'm old. The problem is that your ideas are stupid. Well, I mean, he is right. I can't say that he's wrong there. A lot of what he's talking about is absolutely the case because we do live in a day and age where you have everyone paying attention to the youth. And I think it's a fundamental issue with the left wing, especially the far left wing kind of party is that they're giving these, they're letting their own ignorance of it actually play out. And we've seen this over and over again. I mean, it's, it's not like he's saying something new to the people that have been paying attention. We've literally, they were, they actually did surveys asking younger people like what socialism was. And they thought it was some kind of like social behavior. Like they just attributed it to social media or something. I mean, they had no idea what it actually meant. Yet a lot of them were advocating for it. They had no idea and they're advocating for it. So you have this problem where, okay, great. He's saying this now and I agree with him. And I think most conservatives in general agree with what he's saying. But where was he at last year to say these same things? Bill Maher was nowhere last year. What he was doing is too busy pretending like he had no idea that they were putting tampons in men's restrooms at universities when he had Prager, Dennis Prager on. He was talking about how Trump was the worst person ever. You know, all of this stuff was real convenient at the time. You know, and and now he's saying this, and, and I'd love to give him credit for it, but I can't really give him credit for it. Because he's only doing it because it's safe to do it now. Now that they've got the Democrat they wanted in office, he's of course going to come out and be that controversial person that talks about things that are more centrist like he's always generally been. But once again, it's never it's never happening while Trump was in office because everybody, the networks, he's controlled by the network, everybody was saying, you need to move in this direction. Everything has to be anti-Trump 100% of the time. No matter what, you can't, don't criticize Biden at all. Now he can generally do it. Nobody bats an eye because Biden already got in the office. It's just kind of ridiculous. So I guess my point is, is that I'm not going to give him too much credit for doing this because he's doing it too late. He's doing it when it's the most convenient time to do it. And although I agree, and I'm sure many other people agree with what he's saying, it's too late now. And of course he's doing it now because it's safe and easy. Because him facing the backlash for this isn't that big of a deal. <laughs> he has Biden in office. But he refused to do segments like this last year when he had the opportunity to. And instead, he went right along with everything that the radical left was thinking and wanting him to say. So I can't really give him too many props on this for this actual instance here. Or for the previous clip where he was actually talking about these types of things as well. But with that being said, that is all I have for you for this show. I thank you for listening or watching the show as well, and I'll see you on the next one.